journey in this old life. Amen. The Bible says we're pilgrims and strangers. And, and that's the truth. Amen. We're pilgrims and strangers. And we're on a journey through the book of Romans. And boy, I'm going to tell you something now. We're, getting, we're in Romans chapter 7 this morning and we are in a briar patch. Woo, mercy. You know, on a journey in the Christian life, sometimes it ain't all tulips and lilies and, and, and a nice, smooth path. And there's some things. And boy, I tell you, God help me with, with this. I, Lord, save, save me from total, uh, what do you call it, just uh, uh, despair through this chapter. And I hope we can get into it today and, and help you. But uh, this thing is kind of like a rough mountainside. Chapter 7 is. As far as Christian comprehension, and, and I'm going to tell you something, it was for Paul too. Paul didn't get what he got here when he first got saved. Paul is revealing to us his real life experience in his, his faith, life of faith and his growth in faith and his comprehension of the salvation and sanctification of God Almighty and how it occurs and what goes on. So you and I are going to kind of be going up rough hill. Dean, you remember when we went hunting out there in, in, in Idaho? There was a few rough mountains out there. But when you got up the top of them, the view was spectacular, beautiful. And if we can just get to the, to the peak of chapter 7, we're going to gaze off down into chapter 8 and it's going to be beautiful. So just kind of keep this in mind, all right? Now, we're going to hit some rough spots and, man, you're going to think, man, I don't know if I can, I can grab this or not. And I've, I've, I've been saved 40 years or more and I'm telling you, I, I've, 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 this has been a rough old hill for me. But we're going to get into it. Now, chapter 6, verse 23 said, well, let's look at verse 22. But now being made free from sin. Now, that, that means that you don't sin. It means that you're free from the condemnation of sin and that there is power over sin. Okay? And it, that sin doesn't have no more claims to you. It doesn't own you anymore. Jesus' blood freed you from the power and the claim of sin. All right. Being made free from sin and become servants to God. And boy, this is big. You know, God took him out. God saved him in Egypt, but he took him out. He didn't just say, oh, I'll save you and leave you in Egypt. He took him out. Sanctification, separation. He said to become servants to God. He said, I'm bringing out a people for myself. We were saved to serve him. Amen. 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 He bought us. He owns us. We're not our own. We're bought with a price. Yes. And I'll tell you what, I've got a good master. Amen? Amen. I will remind you that the disciples called him master. Yes, sir. Ain't, ain't many Christians calls our Lord the master anymore. Well, they, they'll say he's my savior, but they don't like to call him master. But he's our master. All right. Now, I belong to him. He said, uh, service to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. Now, I don't think this is complicated. The fruit of Christianity ought to be holiness. And I'll just be separated, trying to be conformed, being conformed to the image of his son, Jesus Christ, living a life that's pleasing to God, an obedient life. You learn something, you say, God, give me grace to obey that. Having a heart that says, Lord, I just want to live right. I want to do right. Amen. That, that, this is the joy of Christianity. And then he finishes verse 23, said, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God. Now, I didn't buy it. I didn't earn it. I didn't merit it. It's the gift of God is temporary life till you, till you mess up. No, no, that's some, that's, that's the devil's version. The gift of God is eternal life and it's through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now I want to tell you something. The Bible said there's joy in believing. If you believe that verse, I'll tell you what, something, something will just jump up inside your heart. 
Might put a smile on you, you never know. Might make you just feel good. Man, alive, that's wonderful. I have eternal life. And it's through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Ain't through how good a man I am. Boy, that's a good thing. Now, verse number seven. No, there's that word no. God wants you to know things. No, you're not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law. All right. How many here knows thou shalt not kill? Thou shalt not commit adultery. <laughs> thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt not bear fault. Everybody pretty well acquainted with that. I might not be able to wrap them all up, but you know, I, can, I, I know them. All right. How the law, how, that the law hath dominion over man as long as he liveth. Now, we're going to get into the subject here about the law. And uh, God, boy, I'm telling you what, this, this is so good because God's going to clarify. Now, I want to tell you something. I need help. I don't have it all down. I ain't got it all figured out. Uh, if you've got something, an insight, a, a truth or a scripture to compare that, that you know helps us understand this better, jump in. Throw your hand up. Jump in. All right. Now, if, if we happen to disagree a little bit about something or maybe quite don't understand or misunderstand one another, don't get all bent out of shape. Amen. Just back up a little bit. And listen, I'll listen to you. You listen to me. I'll try to work through this thing. I'm here to learn. Amen. Uh, now, he's going to give you an example in the law. Okay. The law hath dominion over man as long as he liveth. Now, you get to be 80. It don't get right to steal. Amen. That makes sense. You get to be 70, it doesn't make it right to commit adultery. That's pretty simple, really, ain't it? It's not complicated there. Now he's going to give you an illustration. For the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law. And by the way, that word bound and law, those kind of hang together. Bondage. You mean, you know, bound. Now, there's, no, there's, nothing, there's nothing wrong with being bound. I'm bound to Karen. Mm hmm. Yeah. I'm in a marriage, I'm in a marriage bond, okay? I don't feel like I'm in bondage, but I'm bonded. My marriage is not a bondage. I don't wake up every day going, oh, I wish I could get out of this thing. Mm -mm. I wake up every day saying, boy, Lord, I tell you, I appreciate my wife. Thankful for my wife. But there's a bond there, and it's a matrimonial bond. It's a marriage bond. But it's not a bond. It's not bondage. Big difference there. The woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. Anything wrong with that? Is the law bad? Something, something bad, terrible about that? Oh, I just wish I could get out of this marriage. Oh, I wish I could get out of this marriage. Wish I could get out of this marriage. And, and just hang with this thing. But if the husband be dead... She's loosed from the law of her husband. Now, we all know that. Spouse dies, you can remarry. Is that not right? And you can remarry because you've been loosed from that law that bound you to your, to your husband. She's loosed the law of her husband. Verse 3, so then, if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she should be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Now, what in the world is God bringing this in at this point in Scripture? What's he bringing this in about? He's going to teach you about your relationship to Jesus Christ. Okay, now don't get all hung up on me this morning about 
marriage situations. I, all I can tell you is if you've been divorced and remarried, just get it under the blood the best you can and just live for God to rebuild from the life you can. Don't want to get into that. You know, I just, I'm just honest with you. Um, and, and divorce is wrong. According to the Bible, remarriage is wrong. All that's wrong. There's a lot of things wrong. The best thing to do is get your sins forgiven and get under the blood. Amen. But I'm not, I'm not, I am not going to say, oh, everything's fine if something ain't fine. But neither are going to sit up here and just get hung up on a deal. I've got, I, I've got to go on. I, I, I've got to get past it. And, but he's illustrating this. This is the law, and the law is good. And he's, now he's telling you, if that husband's dead, that woman can be married to another man. Okay. Look at verse number four. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ. That, now, that's an important statement. By the body of Christ. The body of Christ is a critical doctrine in Scripture. Amen. Because you and I are placed in the body of Christ. The two shall become one in a marriage. Now, you're getting into a, this is why marriage. This is why Satan hates biblical marriage. It perverts everything about salvation whenever the world starts perverting marriage. Okay? Dead to the law. Ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ that ye should be married to another. Just want you to think a little bit. Before, before you were saved, you were under the law. Okay? And bound to that law. But when you got saved, you became dead to the law and you, and you were married to another, to Christ. Let me just tell you a little something. I'm married to Christ, not the law. Amen. Amen. Now you better get this. Now I'm going to give you something. If you want to write it down, it's, it's 1 Samuel, I believe, chapter 25. Now for every New Testament doctrine, there is an Old Testament example. If you've got it right. There was a feller by the name, Lord help me, my brain has left me, Nabal, thank you. There was a feller by the name of Nabal, and he was churlish, and he was mean. He's a picture of the law, ain't he? And he had a woman by the name of Abigail, and oh, she was of a fair countenance. And old Nabal, he made life miserable for everybody because they was under the law. And Naboth, and you know the story, he, David sent servants down there and they had guarded and protected him and everything and all they was wanting was him to give him a little food and so forth and they, and he mocked and despised David and defiled David Man alive, old David said, told them men, said, get your, get your swords on, said, I'm going to wipe him out. Said, I've, I've guarded all his sheep and took care of him. And, and Nabal's down there getting drunk. He's having sheep sharing and having a party, and he got drunk. And he was churlish and he was mean, made life miserable for everybody. And the Bible said that Abigail, she gathered up a bunch of stuff and she hasted and she met David coming and she. By, well, you want, to hear, you want to learn how to make an appeal to authority. Amen. You want to learn how to pray to God? Study, study Ab- Abigail's speech to Nathan. Ah, oh, that woman, something else. And she forestalled David's attack. 
And the Bible said that when she went back and told Nabal what happened the next morning, if I've got it right, might maybe correct me a little bit, but his heart died within him, turned to a stone. And he lingered, I think, 10, was it 10 days? Anybody remember, was it 10 days? Somebody check me on that, because if it is, 10 is the number of the law. And he died. Well, guess what happened to Abigail? She was free to marry another man. And who did she marry? David, who is a picture of who? Jesus Christ. That's your Old Testament example, illustration of what you're reading in Romans 7. Now, I'm going to tell you, the law is pretty rough on you. And as long as you're living under the law and living under rules and regulations, it's churlish. It's mean. It's hard. There's no joy. The only joy you can get is through a bottle or a drug or something else or pleasure or a trip or whatever it might be. But you can't have joy sitting at your house out and out in the yard. You ain't happy if you're living under the law. You can't enjoy church. A church that preaches law, works, salvation, you don't know no way in the world you'd be happy unless you deceive yourself. Because you're never going to satisfy it. But when I got saved, something judicially happened in the eyes of Almighty God. When I, watch this. When I received Jesus Christ as my Savior, I died to that law. I'm dead to the law. And I'm married to another, to Jesus Christ. Okay? And that's the real lesson you want to get out of this. You're never, none of us in this building are going to satisfy the demands of the law. There's only one person in this world ever satisfied the demands of the law, and that's Jesus Christ. He is without sin. It made him the perfect sacrifice for our sin. And, and here's the deal. True conversion will give you a heart to want to serve God. That's why you may be sitting here this morning. You're not happy. You're not enjoying your, quote, professed faith in Christ, your, quote, Christianity. And it could be because you really don't, you're really not married to Christ. You're married to the world. You're married to religion. A lot of people are married to religion. They're married to a denomination. But I want to tell you right now, you ever get married to Christ? Amen. He's a good bridegroom. Amen. Hey, he's the bridegroom and the church is the bride. I don't care whether you like that. I don't understand that, but I believe it. And I know it's the truth. I don't comprehend all of its ramifications in, in eternity. I really don't. I just know that. That when he created Adam and Eve and man and woman, husband and wife, and the family, that is the that was a picture of his salvation, and uh, and 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 uh, the, my relationship to him in Jesus Christ. And, my, and I'm going to say something to you: it is a happy, joyful relationship. It's a happy marriage. And uh, yes, sir. It's a yes. Set free. Free, free from the law. That's ex- what he's trying to tell us. You're free from it. You're n- <clears throat> the law has been fulfilled in him. 
They really don't. And, they, and I, and, and, and I want to get here. But I, want, I want to say something to you. Brother Marcus, God help me in this area here. There are mo- I would say most people get saved and really don't understand this. Yet they are saved. Okay? Give me just a second. I believe that Paul went through a time of comprehension and understanding of, of salvation and the ramifications of it. I don't think he got it all that on the road to Damascus. He got it saved. That was done with. But his understanding of what God had done for him. Let me just tell you something. Paul said, touching the law, I was blameless. But as you follow Paul through the epistles and through the book of Acts, you're going to find out that he was growing in the grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, just like you and I are. This really helped me because, <clears throat> see, I've struggled. When I got saved, January 24, 1982, for about two years, I preached you could lose your salvation. But what happened was the law slew me. And if God hadn't brought me to an understanding of grace and, and that, I'd have quit preaching. Because I, I literally said, I mean, I just said, Lord, I'm not getting up behind the pulpit this Sunday, a hypocrite. Yeah. I'm not going to get up here and preach to those people. If I'm lost, and I'm not going to sit here and say I didn't sin, Lord, I sinned. Am I lost? I mean, what's, where am I at? I thought I got saved. Do you sin after you get saved? I didn't know a lot of stuff. But I had been taught, see, that I could, you know, that if I sin one sin. Oh, my land, this week I heard a beatingest testimony I ever heard in my life. This man was raised, and, 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 and I don't want to be kind in saying it, but he was raised in Church of Christ, and he became a Church of Christ preacher. And he said, I would go to bed every night, get on my knees, and say, Dear God in heaven, bring to my mind every sin I've committed today, because, Lord, I do not want to go to sleep um, and having not confessed every sin that I've committed, for Lord, if I don't, I'll, I know that if I would die in my sleep for you to become, I'd be lost. Now, I want to tell you something I like about that guy. At least he was honest with himself, see? He, but, but he didn't understand. He said, for years, as a Church of Christ preacher, I went to bed every night, nearly weeping, hoping that I had not forgotten some sin Oh, I got good news for you. Did you know over in the Old Testament sacrifice system, there was an offering for the sins of ignorance? <laughs> There's an offering for the sins you don't even know you committed. Amen. That's how good God is. Amen. Amen. And uh, that church Christ preacher said that he, you know, he and see, he kind of went the same route. I was kind of going there in that he just, he wanted to be truthful with God. He didn't want to lie about the fact that he sinned, but he just, the law got so heavy he just couldn't carry it. And he began to study the scripture and, and God turned the light bulb on. And he said, I was reading and he said, I started seeing grace, grace. And I started seeing faith. And he said, all of a sudden, he said, it's just like the windows of heaven come open for me. And by the way, he's preaching at a different kind of church now. He left the church of Christ. And he's preaching and boy, he preaches grace. Boy, what a bl- Isn't that amazing testimony? Brother, yes, brother. Yes, sir. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Freedom. Yeah. 
Amen. I'll tell you what, if, to be honest with you, if I didn't know what I know from the Bible today, I'd give up hope. I'd just say, I'm just going to get my suitcase packed because I'm headed to hell and eat, drink, and be married for tomorrow. I have no hope for me because I can't live good enough to make it. Dean. Paul started off saying, I'm a sinner. About halfway through, he said, I'm a great sinner. <laughs> and when he got on the end before he died, he said, I'm chief of chief sinners. Chief of sinners. Yeah. yeah. Amen. Amen. Growth and... That's exactly right. We quit lying to ourselves. <laughs> And just tell you, you know, that was sin. That was sin. I tell you what, I, I tell you what, where I'm at in my journey, God is just showing me little places of pride, little thoughts that comes through my brain. And, he, and the Holy Spirit will say, that's pride. That's pride. That's pride. And then he says, it's more than pride, it's sin. <laughs> oh, I tell you, what, you know what I love about true Christianity? is the truthfulness about it. And he said the truth will set you free. And I, like, I just like it. I just like the truth. Sometimes I don't like the person telling me the truth, but I like the truth. Amen. <laughs> I'm going to lie to you. And I want to tell you here this morning at this church, I want you to come to church Sunday, and I want you to be free in Jesus Christ. Amen. I want you to know about what we're talking about. But, but I'm going to tell you this much. Randy, I'm going to get you in just a second. You're probably going to have to do what Reg Kelly went through. And Paul, you're going to have to go through trying to... Trying to is sincerely trying to do the best you can and figure out you can't do it. And then you're going to fall on your face. You're going to really mess things up. You're going to really, really jack things up. And then you're just going to say, I'm a total, absolute, complete failure. There is no hope for me. And about that time, the Holy Ghost is going to come. The comforter is going to say, I've been trying to tell you all along. It's not in you. It's in Jesus Christ. But you so hard-headed and so proud and arrogant to think that you can live Christian life and you can live in a way that pleases me apart from Christ. And you can do this on your own. It's your merit, your goodness. Reggie, you know, sometimes I feel like the Holy Ghost looks down and says, you're dumb in a box of rocks. <laughs> Randy. Yep. Yeah, that's good. I'm thankful he's that sincere. But sincerity does not save a man. I can tell you, whenever God really started breaking me, I was teaching a teen class. Now, listen to me. I was a lost man teaching a teen class. And I don't even remember what we were studying, but one of the boys raised his hand. I've told this several times before he raised his hand class. And he said, he said, Reggie, he said, uh, I, I don't understand this whole thing. 
He said, if I'm my brother out hunting this afternoon after church, and I'm walking down the hill in front of him, and I'm having a lustful thought, and he said, his gun goes off and shoots me in the back of the head accidentally, am I going to go to heaven or am I going to go to hell? Because I didn't have time to confess my sin. And I sputtered like an arc light and never did give him an answer. But the Holy Ghost used that. And the Holy Ghost said, Reggie, at least he's being honest. Yeah. Yeah. He's being honest about, hey, here's things that can and do happen. Right. Yeah. And um, uh, if you're online and listening, just stay with us. Just stay with us. Hang in here. And uh, uh, let God speak to you today. Let's get up here. Let's go on down here. Verse number four. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. Now, the most common thing is a couple gets married and they have children, fruit. And God is saying, you get married to Christ, there should be fruit in your life. Amen. Okay. All right. The fruit of holiness. Verse, verse number five. For when we were in the flesh, now underline that deal, in the flesh, the motions of sins which were by the law did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. Now he said, you get married to Christ, you'll bring forth fruit unto God. But he said, in the, in, with sin in the flesh, you're going to bring forth fruit uh, <clears throat> unto death. Now watch verse number six. But now... What now? After we're saved, we are delivered from the law. That being dead, how did we get free from the law and marry Christ? That death, okay. <clears throat> that being dead wherein we were held. And here's what I gave you last week. This is the secret to me of Christianity. That we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. This was the problem with the Pharisees. They were trying to serve God in the letter of the law. The letter killeth, the Bible said. It, ki it will kill you. You cannot bear it. The wages of sin is death. You try to live by the law and by works and by doing good and satisfy God in that manner, it will kill you. By the way, I think even as a saved person, if you're not aware of this and you don't get a hold of this truth, it could bring you to an early grave. We should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of letter. Now, I want you to hold right there and I want you to quickly run. So I want you to get a peek over the hilltop. Romans chapter eight, flip over to chapter eight, verse number two. Uh, I forget now how many different laws are mentioned in the book of Romans. Is there seven? There's several different laws that God has put in place that's mentioned in Romans. But now watch verse two. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak, the law doesn't have power to give you. It doesn't have any power to, for you to live righteously. All it can do is say, that's wrong. You're in trouble. You're going to pay for that. <clears throat> Run, looky back here. Run, John, uh, run, John. 
Run, John, run, the law demands. Back on the wall. But gives me neither feet nor hands. Far better news the gospel brings. It bids me fly and gives me wings. That's a human summary of this text right here. Verse 3, for what the law could not do in it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of, the likeness of sinful flesh and for, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. God is just. Sin's going to be paid for. Now watch verse 4, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. This is the secret to Christianity, is living in the power and the leadership and the guidance and the presence of the Holy Spirit of God, consciously, day by day, moment by moment. I want to tell you something. You may need a time where God really, really breaks through on you and you're out there in the woods or you're at an altar somewhere and and you just yield it up and surrender it all to God. But let me just tell you the truth about it is every morning you get up, it's Lord, I need you. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to be yielded to you today and obedient to you today and give me grace through your sweet spirit. Help me, Lord, not try to live the Christian life in the power of my flesh, but in the power of your spirit, dear God. It's a moment, by, and I will say through the day, a conscience, dependence, daily and hourly, momently on the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. And by the way, that's, that's not like some big weight or nothing. It's just the joy of the third part of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit wants to go with you and strengthen you and empower you and enable you to live for Jesus Christ. And, and you're, just, you're, just free, you're just free from that law and free from all the bondage. And it's not trying to keep somebody's rules anymore. You just, it's, it's the law of love. Amen. Look, look at that verse number two. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free, free from the law of sin and death. You say, and I'm going to tell you how literal that is. I'm not going to die. I am not going to die. Did you know that? I'm going to leave this body. I'm moving out of this house, but I have eternal life. To depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Depart and to be with Christ. I have been I have been saved. That means I've been born again of the Spirit of God. There's a new creature born of the Spirit. He's a new man. And he is eternal in his creative power. God, he's eternal. He has the life of Christ. And that's the new man. My old man, he, God didn't even try to salvage him. He's going back to the dust. Somebody's going to use it for garden planting sometime. It's truth. I mean, just being honest with you. And, I'm, I, I knew, and, I, and God will, no, he will resurrect out of that. He will resurrect that body right out of that dirt. He made the, fir- he made the first man out of the dirt. 
He's going to resurrect a new man, and it'll have a new body fashioned like unto the glorious body of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if that's not what we're here about this morning, I don't know what I'm here for. I'm going to claim his promises and believe his promises and worship him in those promises. Brother Dean. tell you the difference between being saved and being religious. When you're religious, you feel like you have to try to live right. And you're concerned about what people know and stuff like that. But when you get saved, you're no longer worried. God gives you a heart that wants to do right. And when you don't, it grieves you. And you want to get right with God and you have a desire to do what's right. Your flesh is never going to want to do right. We're going to get into that. Let's keep trucking. He said there in verse, Romans chapter 7 now, verse number 6, but now we are delivered from the law that being dead wherein we were held, we should serve in newness of spirit, not in the oldness of letter. And that's what I'm talking about. This is one of the most important verses in your Christian experience. What should we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin but by the law. For I, This is why they don't want Ten Commandments up on, well, they don't want the law. No. Keep in mind something. The Bible, there's a lot of purposes in the law. It reveals the nature of God. It reveals the sinfulness of man. The Bible also said it's a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. The law comes, we can't live it, and we, we're hopeless. And we say, is there any help? Is there any hope anywhere? And we see Christ. He died on the cross, fulfilled the law, and there's hope in that. Okay. And there's purpose in the law. It's a schoolmaster to lead us to Christ. That's why the law should be preached in churches. Because people that are not saved need to come to the end of themselves, and they need to give up hope of being a good person going to heaven, and fall on Jesus Christ in his mercy, in his blood, in his sacrifice, and, and trust him totally for the salvation. So there's lots and wonderful things about the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, thou shall not covet. But sin, taken occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concuspicence. Now, concuspicence means unlawful desires. You desire things that God says you should not have, that he said not to do, or want to do things God said not to do. It's unlawful desires, okay? He said this, that's what sin will do in you. And by the way, the word wrought, W-R-O-G, that means it just works, and it works. How many has experienced this? Yeah. Sins, it'll just keep, it'll, it'll just hammer out. It'll rot. It'll rot. First thing you know, you'll be thinking on this. And first thing you know, you'll be thinking that. How many of you ever had thoughts go through your head that you can't believe you thought that? Yeah. Mm. If you've had thought, uh, how many of you ever thought, how in the world did I think that? You know, and, and it'll just, it'll just try to, I mean, first thing, you know what happened? If you let that junk go on and don't get in the power of the spirit, first thing you know, God, the, the, the sin, sin, Satan working through your flesh and through that sin will have you hating people that, that love you. It'll have you hating the God that gave his son for you. It'll have you thinking that God is mean and God is churlish that God, all kinds of stupid stuff. And it'll just rot that junk in you. 
And, and pretty soon you wonder how people start thinking like they think and doing what they do. It's because sin is rotting. W-R-O, it's, it, rot is like you, you ever heard of wrought iron fencing? It's what's been hammered out. Hammered out into something. And people get, sin will hammer people out. Okay, for without the law, sin was dead. In other words, without, that's why, brother preached on conscience the other night. Man, life, you haven't heard that message, get on that dude. Boy, I'm telling you what, that'll help you, amen. And God put that conscience in us to make us aware of sin. A, a little child doesn't usually know the Ten Commandments, but if he reaches, if mom told him to stay out of the cookie jar and she goes in the other room and he'd go, you know, what is that? That's the law of God written on his heart. It's the same thing, a little sister walks over and, or brother and shoves sister down and looks around to see if mom and dad was anywhere. They know that's not right. It's the law of God written on the heart. Okay, now, verse number nine, for I was alive without the law once. See, this is what the world wants. They don't want the law of God so they can feel good about what they're doing. Uh, man, alive. I'm just so thankful. Uh, I, can't, I know I keep mentioning this, but it's just worth mentioning. Um, the little clip I did on, on sodomites, what the Bible has to say about gay. What's it, 200 and some thousand now people. And, and, but, and these people, you know, and it's amazing. There's, there's, there's two, two verses that the world knows real good. It's amazing how much Bible these people know. They know that Jesus turned water into wine. They got that one. And they know judge not that you be not judged. They've got two verses down really, really good. And, uh, but here's the thing they don't want. Literally, all I did was give them what the Bible says, and they turn around and say, you're judging. Okay? Okay. This is what this kind of junk will do. It will cause you to not see any, nothing wrong with anything. And God can't even judge them. Man becomes law unto himself. So he says, I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. That's why they don't like the word of God. Because sin revived, all of a sudden, oh my land, I've got sin in my heart, I've got sin in my life. It was revived up and they realized that's death and they, no, I don't want that. And that's why they, re- see the law, he's going to tell you the law is good. And the world does not like it because it brings death to them. I mean, it, it brings the fact of sin real to them. In fact, he's going to talk about exceeding. Look, look at verse number uh, 10. And the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me and by it slew me. Hmm. I'll give you an Old Testament example of that. Joab is probably the most consistent Old Testament foreshadow of the law in the Bible. Joab. Absalom is a picture of a man who would not turn to Christ and whom the law finally killed. When Joab caught Absalom, he put three darts through his heart. Triune Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, divine judgment and execution. He, you read it, and if there's 10, uh, number 10's in there, and that's the picture of the commandments. 
And, huh? Yeah, testimony. That. Somebody look that up real quick, because I want you to see the ten in there. And then they took a pile of rocks and covered him up with, with rocks. Well, those rocks are pictures of stoning, which is the condemnation of the law and death. Okay? Joab had no mercy. David had said, don't, don't kill Absalom. But let me just tell you something. If you don't turn to Christ, the law is going to kill you. Boy, you want to get something beautiful. Joab, picture of the law. You know where I'm headed. He, had, he ran over there and grabbed hold of the horn. He, he wanted mercy. And he said, no, you take him away. And they, they had old Joab killed. Let me tell you something about Jesus. When he died on the cross, man, he killed the law as far as its power to destroy you and I. The law hath no more power over us because of Christ. There's, there's therefore now no condemnation. See? But anybody find that yet? Yes. Second Samuel 18:15. Read it, would you please? Thank you. Ten young men. That's a picture of the Ten Commandments. And they gathered, circled around Absalom, and they slew him. The Ten Commandments will kill you. Now, I'm just going to say something right here, and it'll probably raise a bee's nest, but it needs to be. If it needs to be, needs to be. There's all kinds of garbage going on down here with this Hebrew roots business and this here keeping the law and, and calling Jesus Yahweh. They don't believe the King James Bible. Now, you listen to me. They don't believe in using the name Jesus. And they're, they're Saturdayites and they're, law, and they're law keepers and it's death. And you, I'm telling you, it's what Randy said, it will take you to death. You stay away from that stuff. And if you're listening to me and you're tied in with that, you need to get loose from that. You may think it's all right. I promise you the law will circle you one day and there'll be 10 of them around you and there's no escape for you. By the way, does anybody know what Absalom was, was, what kind of shape he was in? His hair was caught in the oak and the mule walked on and he's hanging there. See, Jesus hung on a tree and Absalom didn't need a substitute. He's going to, he's going to, the law, see? So he's hanging there, that oak, with, by his what? Hair. And did you know that the Bible speaks that his hair was his point of pride? They polled it once a year. He was, he was handsome. He was, you know, he was attractive. He was Hollywood material. And he, the very thing that he was proud of is what caught him. And if you won't let Jesus die on the tree for you, you will die on your own tree of judgment, the condemnation of the law. And there he is hanging by this point of pride and surrounded by the law. And here comes three darts of divine judgment and it's over with. And I just want to tell everybody, please get away from, run from the law, run to Jesus Christ. Amen. You, you'll never make it. You'll never satisfy it. I can't, you can't, nobody does. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We do not measure up. And you better run for mercy and hide yourself in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is his death, his burial, his resurrection, his sinless life that you're safe in. It's the only refuge that we have. 
Well, let's keep going here. What, verse 13, uh, verse 12. Wherefore the law is, and I get this and number it. The law is, number one, it's holy. Lord, the law is holy. And the commandment, holy. And just. Boy, underline it, just. You want a God that executes justice. Okay? But he, and he did. And that justice was executed upon Jesus Christ for you and I. God didn't just, when God saves you, he just didn't go, oh, that's okay. We'll forget all about that. Uh Uh-uh. My sin was laid upon Jesus Christ. God executed justice. He didn't just go, oh, it's okay. He punished my sin in Christ. Jesus died for me. He suffered for me. He bare, in his own self, bare our sins in his own body on the tree. The law is just, and you better be glad it's just. And good. The law is good. There's nothing wrong with the law. Thou shalt not kill. That's good. Thou shalt not commit adultery. That's good. Thou shalt not steal. That's good. Verse 13. Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin, that it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good. Okay. Thou shalt not. It's good. But you don't perform it. So it's working death in you. The wages of sin is death. So here's what's happening. This sin, this sin, this, the law exposing the sinfulness of Paul was, run, make, was chasing him to the cross. Now he was saved here, but it's causing him to realize all that God did for him at the cross. It's causing him to realize the preciousness and the amazement of what God did for him. And he said there, Sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. And this is what we need. Amen. Oh, you know how we know where we're at in America? Oh, everybody sins. Right. It's no big deal. You know what God wants? God wants you and I to know how exceeding sinful our little sins are. Amen. There are no little sins. Sin is what caught the curse. Sin is what brought death. Sin is what sends us to hell. Sin is why Jesus came. We came to worship God this morning. We claim we did. I want to tell you something. He didn't come out here and die just to be an example to you. That's not what he died for. He died to pay for our sins. Our sins required the death penalty and Jesus paid it. And Paul said, here's what happens when you preach the law. Now, let's just practice this a little bit. Has anybody in here ever lied? What's that make you and I? Liars. You say, well, mine was just a little white lie. That's the problem. We don't want it to be exceeding. Let me tell you when revival will come. To this church, to my heart, to your life, is when you quit seeing your sins as little bitty ants crawling in and out from underneath the, the, the baseboard. And all of a sudden, your little sins are big elephants in the living room of your heart and you're saying my God my God I am a wicked sinner let me just tell you something that's why you don't see repentance now that's why you don't see people with a heart to serve God that's why you don't see people with joy of the Lord because their sins are forgiven and they're happy in Christ they've been freed from the, the law of sin and death 
And the whole thing. And, and it's a shame. Well, my land, we're just about to. All right. <clears throat> now, next week, hopefully, we're going to pick in in verse number 15. Oh, we're going to go down in the valley of the shadow of death for a while. All right. But we're going to have a good time. We're going to come up out of there. We're going to get through it. Amen. Amen. We ain't getting hung up in a rabbit patch. We're going to come on through and up the side of the mountain and we're going to look down over on chapter eight and we're going to have us a hallelujah time. Let's stand together. It's